Are you aware there are 59 occurrences of the phrase, one another in the New Testament? As we've been learning in our One Another series, we're called to care for and be united with one another. Last weekend, we established this truth. Jesus is praying for us to be a community of unity. It's so easy for us to divide, isn't it? Not only do we struggle with being united, we also sometimes just don't accept some Christians because we don't care for them. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street. And when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. Kevin DeYoung wrote a post entitled, Distinguishing Marks of a Quarrelsome Person. I'll only mention five because it's too convicting to read all of them. One, you defend every conviction with the same degree of intensity. Two, you are quick to speak and slow to listen. Three, you have no unarticulated opinions. Four, your first instinct is to criticize. Your last instinct is to encourage. Five, you never give the benefit of the doubt. If you have a hard time accepting others, you're not alone. Let's listen now to part one of a message called, Accept One Another. Here's our main idea. Since we are accepted by Christ, we must accept one another. According to LifeWay Research, when asked what their most significant struggle is, pastors indicated, yeah, this got my attention when I read it. I'm like, what's the number one struggle for pastors? Any guesses? Board members. Board members? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> That's not true in this case. <laughs> well, but, but the, there's a theme there. Pastors pointed to the number one issue is disunity among their congregations. Caused by COVID and the various protocols put in place. Now, there are many factors that no doubt play a role in this problem, but one statistic may underscore a significant contributor to division today. This was part of the study, quote, On any given day, evangelical Christians are twice as likely to open Facebook as their Bible." 66% use Facebook at least once a day. 49% are on Facebook several times a day. About 40% watch a YouTube video at least once a day. But only 32% of us evangelicals say they read their Bible every day. And so many Christians are being shaped, discipled, if you will, more by social media than by Scripture. Have you noticed social media has not made us more social? (laughs) It's made us anti-social, angrier, more divided. I came across this example of how social media works. Uh, Somebody said this, they posted this, I prefer mangoes to oranges, to which a random person responded. So basically what you're saying is you hate oranges, You also failed to mention pineapples, bananas, and grapefruit. Educate yourself. I'm literally shaking. (laughs) That's often how it is today. Well, we've been learning in our One Another series, we're called to care for 
and be united with one another. Last weekend, we established this truth. Jesus is praying for us to be a community of unity. We were in John chapter 17. It's so easy for us to divide, isn't it? I'm reminded of the story of a man stranded on an isolated island. He was alone on this island for many years, and so he made himself a hut. Well, eventually, the island was discovered and the man was rescued, but before they went off the island, the man wanted to show the rescuers around this isolated island. He first showed them his hut, and he was really proud of it. He built it with his hands, and he said, this is the home I built, and then he showed them another building. He said, well, this is the church I built. Well, as they're getting ready to leave the island, the rescuers noticed there was another building, and so they said, hey, what's that building over there? And the man answered and said, oh, that's where I used to go to church. (laughs) Today, our focus is on accepting one another. Open up your Bibles. I want you to see God's word with your eyes. If you don't have one with you, there's one right in front of you or turn your mobile app on. We're going to be in Romans chapter 14 and 15. Here's what I'm hoping we're going to learn. Since we're accepted by Christ, we must accept one another. When you come to Romans chapter 12, you come to the practical section of the book, although I would argue the whole book is practical, even the doctrinal part. But when you get to chapter 12, it focuses on how we can put things into practice. And we're going to learn in chapters 12 through 16, those are the, those chapters, those closing chapters, Paul speaks more about the matter of accepting one another than he does any other topic in that section. Some 30 verses that deal with this topic. Because if we separate from those who differ from us on minor matters, we're going to be left all alone. Paul's introducing us to two distinct groups of people in the church at Rome. The weak and the strong, or as one pastor refers to them, the weak and the weaker. Here's the situation. The believers are divided. There's tension in this church. There's also tension going on in the church at Corinth. You can read about that as well. Believers were divided. What were they divided over? Well, special diets and special days. This was the big problem. The problem was whether it was okay for a Christ follower to eat meat that had been offered to an idol before it was sent to Bob the butcher. (laughs) So some people had no issue with it at all. While others felt by eating meat, a person could become spiritually contaminated. And so this group followed a special diet, and they felt that some days were more spiritual than others. The second group, well, they had just one big hang-up, group number one. See, they knew they were free to eat beef wellington and worship on any day they wanted. Now, most of us struggle with two tendencies. We like to compare, and we're prone to control others. We easily fall into thinking the way we view life, the way we do things, well, that's the correct way. Which means people who have different views or people who do things differently than we do, it's not just different in our minds, it's wrong. 
You know, it's so easy for us to elevate our personal preferences to moral matters by which we end up judging others. Let me give you an example. It's a true story, and you need to keep that in mind because as I tell it, you'll think, that can't be true. Well, Chuck Swindoll tells this story of a missionary family who was forced to leave the mission field because of peanut butter. The young family served where peanut butter was difficult to get, so their friends in the States shipped them peanut butter. What they didn't realize was the other missionaries on the field considered it a mark of spirituality for a missionary to not eat peanut butter. Why? Well, they couldn't get peanut butter there, so their strong belief was every missionary needs to give up peanut butter. Well, the newer missionary family considered this just a simple difference of opinion. So they continued to receive peanut butter shipments. Unfortunately, the pressure to conform was so intense that this young family gave up. They packed up all their belongings. They left the mission field disillusioned and extremely cynical. So if these older missionaries would have studied our passage for today, Romans 14 and 15, they might have been able to keep this young family on the field. There are at least six avenues of acceptance found in these two chapters. We're going to follow the acrostic accept. Let's start with the letter A, avoid passing judgment. So those who clung to the law condemned those who enjoyed their liberty. While the more mature Christians, those who ate meat, well, they look down, they despise the immature ones. Paul tells both groups to chill out or something like that. He tells them to chill out and not be chilly toward each other. We'll see it right in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him or accept him, but not to quarrel over opinions. In other translations, the word welcome is the word accept. It means to take to oneself, to kindly receive into one's company. So we're to do more than just put up with each other. It's more than that. We're exhorted to extend warm fellowship and not turn a cold shoulder. We're to allow others the freedom to hold convictions which are unlike ours and welcome them in spite of our differences. The word opinions, well, that refers to that which is debatable, doubtful. We could call them gray areas. It would be those gray areas of the Christian life. There are at least three categories specified in Scripture. First category is this, those things that are right and they're always right. When God says it, he says, this is what's right. This is what I expect my people to follow. There's an example. Just go back one chapter, chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Very clear. So there are those things that are right, and they're always right. And then there are those things that are wrong, and they're always wrong. 
But we have evidence of that. Same chapter, chapter 13. Look at verse 13. This is strong. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. God says those things are wrong. Look at the last verse of chapter 13. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So there are those things that are right, they're always right. There are those things that are wrong and they're always wrong. Paul here is going to discuss the third category, the issues of freedom preference, if you will, which involves secondary matters. So a disputable matter is an honest difference of opinion between Bible-believing Christians on how best to apply a biblical principle. Would you observe, we're told not to quarrel over opinions. The Bible has a lot to say about disagreements. Interestingly, the problem isn't so much about disagreements. The problem is quarreling. Quarreling is identified as the problem. Listen to 2 Timothy 2.14. Charge them before God. What's the charge? Not to quarrel about words, which does no good but only ruins, ruins the hearers. Many years ago, Beth and I received some marriage advice that, well, we still use. It's actually just one phrase, and it comes up many times. Sometimes we say it out loud. Sometimes it's best not to say it out loud to kind of keep it inside. Well, I'm going to pass that marriage advice along to you. You're welcome. (laughs) Here it is. Not wrong, just different. It's funny, after the service, at the 9 o'clock service, I was talking to a couple out there and the, the wife said, thank you so much for that. That was so helpful. Not wrong, just different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. And her husband came over and she said, right, that's very helpful. He started glaring at me and he walked away. So I don't, I don't know if that was that helpful to them. <laughs> that was free of charge. Use it if it's helpful. Look at verse 2. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. So what's going on there? Well, that could be referring to the saved Gentile who feels like he can eat whatever he wants, while the Jewish convert who was raised on Old Testament dietary laws wants to avoid any possibility of dishonoring God by eating something that's not kosher or something that's been sacrificed to an idol. Verse 3 helps us see the real problem had nothing to do with meat. It's an acceptance issue. Verse 3, let not the one who eats, so the person who eats meat, despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So those who liked Angus burgers, Look down on the vegetarians while the Boca Burger crowd condemned the carnivores. The word despise is really strong. That's why I put it up on the screen. It literally means to utterly despise with scorn, to regard as nothing, to throw out like the trash. It also refers to pushing someone out. To pass judgment has the idea of sitting in judgment 
It refers to the punishment reserved for those who've broken God's laws. So listen, when we condemn others, we often make assumptions that are exaggerated, erroneous, and even damaging to someone's character. Here's what happened. Both groups had become polarized because they had taken a disputable matter, they had turned it into a moral issue. Right, wrong, which translated means I'm right and you're wrong. Notice the key phrase at the end of verse 3. God has welcomed him. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, we have grace in the gray areas. I love how Peter summarizes God's attitude toward people who have different backgrounds and viewpoints. Acts 10.34, truly I understand, he says, that God shows no partiality. In the heat of the Civil War, one of President Lincoln's advisors mentioned to the president that he was glad that God was on the side of the Union. Lincoln replied this way, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Now, this is hard for some of us. God accepts both viewpoints And so you and I must avoid passing judgment on those who believe and those who behave differently than we do. Verse 4 makes it clear we must not take the place of God in someone's life. Verse 4, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. (laughs) Just settle this. God is God. You are not. He's God. I'm not. He's perfectly capable of directing the lives of those who follow him. J.D. Crowley has written a very helpful post. It's called 12 Principles for Disagreeing with Other Christians. I found this so helpful that we posted it on Sermon Extras. You can get to that on your mobile app, Sermon Extras tab, or on our website. It's right at the top. You can click that if you'd like to read it. Here are just a few sentences to whet your appetite. You are not the master of other believers. When you look down on someone with a weaker conscience or judge someone with a stronger conscience, you're acting as though that person is your servant and you are his master. But God is his master. In matters of opinion, you must let God do his work. Now, this is fairly easy for us to do because some of us are thinking, what's the big deal, eating meat or not eating meat? It's far removed from our culture or context unless you're a vegetarian or a vegan. So let's bring it closer to home. Uh, It's about to get uncomfortable in here. Friends, you and I need to avoid passing judgment in disputable matters or taboo topics today. Think of it this way. We've had 2,000 years to add to this list. Some of these topics that I'm going to mention are non-starters for you. You'll hear it, it'll just go right past you. Others of them might light you up a bit. The principle still stands. We're called to accept one another even when we disagree about debatable topics. 
The call is for both sides to respect the freedom of the other by giving them the right to be different. Now, before I mention some current topics that Christians disagree about, let me quote a pastor. Interestingly, his name is Brian Bell, B-E-L-L. This is what he says. Your love may be tested more by Christians who disagree with you than by unbelievers who persecute you. Sometimes disputable matters turn us blue in the face, which makes our Christian friends see red, but Paul points out it should be gray. Are you ready to see the list? Oh, there's one person. (laughs) You might not be so sure after we go through this. Well, let's go because that's part of knowing God's word, right? Study God's word in context. How does it apply to our context? All right, here we go. (laughs) COVID-19. Have you noticed there's differences of opinion on this? Well, let me go further. COVID protocols, masks, physical distancing, What about gathering for worship in person or online? What about styles of music? What about Bible versions? What about spiritual gifts? What about Calvinism or Arminianism? What about end times? What about alcohol? What about medical marijuana? I put this next one down on the list because it doesn't apply to us, does it? Politics? Oh my word. The tension, the 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 vitriol and Christians going at it on this one. Well, there's more parenting styles. How about schooling choices that parents make? Homeschooling and public school and parochial and Christian. You know, I had to stop because I couldn't fit more on here, but there are a lot more. There's almost an endless supply of things that we disagree about. Listen, get this. The problem is not that we disagree. It's how we disagree. You don't have to agree with someone's opinions, but don't look down on those whom God has accepted. Get this, you are not better than anyone else. And that person is not better than you either. Don't take that which is disputable and turn it into the dogmatic. Since we're accepted by Christ, we must accept one another. That's the A. Accept C. Commit to live for the Lord alone. The best way to avoid passing judgment is to live for the Lord alone and to recognize that we're at different points in our spiritual journey. Notice verse 5. Paul tells each believer to be fully convinced in his own mind. So that means you don't automatically have to adopt the convictions of others, but instead give careful thought prayerful consideration to all the principles taught in the word of God. And as we commit to live for the Lord, we should strive then to see fellow followers of Christ as members of the same team, the same body, growing in grace just like we are. The best way to avoid passing judgment is to live for the Lord alone and to recognize we're all at different points in our spiritual journey. As we commit to live for the Lord, we should strive to see fellow followers of Christ as members of the same team, growing in grace just like we are. 
Sometimes we launch assaults on people by putting a label on those we disagree with. I don't think he's really a Christian. Or we might secretly think, if she was really growing in her faith, she would do this or that. No one has a corner on commitment, and therefore, we should be careful about questioning another believer's motives. Jesus is both our model and motivation. Since Jesus accepts us unconditionally, we should therefore accept others the same way. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more sermons like this one or want to learn more about the ministry of Edgewood, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. We'd love to have you as a guest at one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.